0: What had happened was I ran into this Cheshire cat sitting under a tree in Athens, Ohio. Ended up marrying her, and then ended up in Dayton, and I've been here ever since.
1: Why'd you call her a Cheshire cat, though? She
0: had a smile that looked like a Cheshire cat.
1: <laughs> Did she also have like one of those hookah smoking?
0: She was a hookah smoking caterpillar. caterpillar.
1: There you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't want to include that incriminating
1: Statue <laughs> of limitations are not out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Thanks for finding the What Had Happened Was podcast. I'm Amelia Robinson from Dayton.com, and I have a fun, fun show for you today with Dayton's other Dave. I'm talking about the one and only Dave Horwitz. Chances are you've been touched by Dave's spirit and Dayton pride without even knowing it. The community activist, artist, and retired educator is behind the -the over-the-top decorated pickup truck stuffed with books and spotted in the Oregon District and all over the place. He is also a key organizer of the annual Day of the Dead celebration in the district and of Deed's Dog Park, among other things. This one-of-a-kind overall wearing gin is one of my favorite dating people and is full of surprises as you're going to find out. We talk about Dave's upbringing as a country Jew, he said he coined that term, how he went to the love of his life's wedding as a guest, my alter ego, the enchanting mystic Shyamalama ding dong. Those overalls, home egg, and his eclectic squad of cool, do-gooder friends. Talk about Reverend Cool there. The What It Happened Was podcast is a project of Dayton.com brought to you by the fine souls at Cox Digital Marketing. Let this trusted name in advertising help you find solutions to your digital needs. Like and rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Google Play. Select episodes of the podcast can also be found on the WHIO app for Roku and Amazon Fire. Now, here's my conversation with Dave Horwitz. Thanks a lot for coming in here. I appreciate it.
0: You're welcome. Glad you,
1: to. What have you been doing?
0: Just uh, working around the neighborhood and working at home and working out. And being awesome. Being <laughs> uh, Having fun, enjoying life. That's what you got to do, right?
1: So are you from Dayton originally?
0: No, I'm from Butler, Pennsylvania, which is north of Pittsburgh, Malltown.
1: You started doing this truck. You started sticking this stuff on the truck. How do people react when you started taking this truck out?
0: It was a head turner. You know? <laughs> people would laugh. I got stopped by the police one time, but it wasn't because of the truck. It was because I made a squirrely move on the road. I didn't get a ticket or anything. I, I just forgot where I was and had to move over a different lane. The officer, after we were done, he said, interesting vehicle. <laughs> and then I did have two cops pull into a parking lot where I was parked. They said, we just had to stop and come and look at this. But I've never been stopped because of the truck.
1: And you have like Barbie dolls and Smurf dolls and cars and um, <clears throat> snakes snakes and just stuff you find.
0: A lot of uh, the He-Man toys. A lot of them were my kids' toys growing up.
1: It, which is probably worth some money now. Scrape <laughs> them out. Put them in the store. Like, what are you trying to stay with that truck? <laughs>
0: there are a couple bumper stickers on the truck that actually say the theme, everything is connected, which literally is true because everything on the truck is glued down and connected to everything else. In the truck. <laughs> but, I, but it's what I believe. I think we're all connected. We're all part of an energy in this universe and we're all connected to each other. And so that means that I am connected to Donald Trump. I'm connected to uh, racists. I'm connected to non-racists. I'm but we're all connected to each other. So there's parts of us that we may not like. We have to work with those parts. But they're parts of us. So you so can't ignore is what We can't saying. ignore it, Where they're part of us that we have to work with.
1: Where's that whole sort of philosophy come from? Did you learn that from your parents? Or did it come from school or something? Or from your friends?
0: Well, my parents, I would say, were liberal. Growing up Jewish in a small town, I remember my dad was real active in the community. Did things. He got an award for something. And it was usually given at the Butler Country Club. Well, the Butler Country Club didn't allow Jews. My dad would not go there to get the award. And so from then on, the country club then started admitting Jews and African Americans and other minorities. You know, and so he was active in things like that. He instilled probably in me a uh, sense of uh, community spirit, yeah. responsibility. For a long time, if you were black in Butler, you couldn't get a haircut. You had to go to Newcastle. So my dad brought Julian Bond in to uh, Butler. I mean, really? Well, wow. Yeah, there were protest Because I remember he was at my house. I got to meet Julian Bond. I think I was in college at the time.
1: Pretty awesome and, that your dad brought him. What did your dad do that he was able to do He ran that? a scrapyard. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, how did he get to the small town?
0: Uh, well, his dad was living there. My grandfather came from Russia, and his two brothers came all three of them came at different times. So we have three different last names. One's H-O-R-E-W-I-T-Z, one's H-O-R, and ours is H-U-R. It's just the way they got spelled at Ellis Island. Oh, that's interesting. But uh, they, they left Russia in early 1900s for political reasons, is what my grandfather said. They lived in New York, and my grandfather was a conductor on a trolley, and my dad was born in Brooklyn, but my grandfather's brothers were in Butler, and they said, Joe come to Butler and come into the scrap business with us, so he did.
1: Now, what about your mom? Was she also like that, or was she just kind of? She,
0: she was from Pittsburgh, okay. uh, Pittsburgh area, and her family, they lived in Pittsburgh, and then they also moved. They had a hotel on the highway between Pittsburgh and Butler. They ran a hotel for a long time. I think Bakerstown, I think is the name of the town. We're well, just a small little roadside thing, but my, my grandfather was a jeweler, Okay. He was mostly in the jewelry business, but for a while they ran this hotel. I don't know how long they ran it, but they did run it for a while.
1: So you're retired now, right?
0: I am. I've been retired since 2008, so almost 11 years.
1: Oh, I didn't know it was that long.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's been great.
1: So what has your retirement been like?
0: When Dawn is not working, we go down to her place down in Southern Ohio, or we'll travel, or I work out which is nice. I go to the Y. Silver sneakers is great. Being old, it has some advantages.
1: (laughs) Get that discount, right? Right. How'd you meet Donna?
0: Donna and I have been friends for, wow, over 20-some years. In about eighty nine ninety, my first wife and I divorced. And I started meeting some new people in Dayton. And I mean, I still hung out with a lot of the old friends, but some newer friends. And one of them took me down to this place in Southern Ohio where this woman, Donna, had land and lived on a trailer. And this was back in 89 or 90 and we became friends and we would go down there camping on weekends, hang out at her place. She got married in like 91 or 92 and went to her wedding and she had a son, raised him there. Well, she had an older son already be, from a previous uh, relationship. We kind of were friends over the years on and off. She would come to Dayton. She was from date. Her family's here and a lot of friends here in Dayton. She and her husband also lived in Columbus back and forth. About 12 years ago, her mom fell and broke her hip, kind of gave her an excuse to leave her husband. I didn't know other people had knew, but she wasn't in a good relationship. So I gave her an excuse to come to Dayton and help take care of her mom. So when she came here, after about a year, we started talking about, hey, maybe let's start dating. And we <laughs> we did. I mean, we had been friends for, at that point, probably 10 or 15 years and just so it's been great. It's been wonderful. She's the love of my life. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's the greatest.
1: That's cool. You guys seem very well matched, too.
0: Oh, uh, she's good. I, I think what helps is that we've been friends. We were friends before. We've stayed friends.
1: You know, I think that's kind of the problem, too. A lot of people get married or get together because they think they have to be together, right. and they're not really in like with the person they're with at all. <laughs> they don't like that person. Mm-hmm. They might even love that person, but they don't like that person. Right. So I think it's true. You got to be friends with the person you're with.
0: Oh, yeah. And I always admired her. She, a hippie chick. <laughs>
1: <laughs> cool. Why do you do the sort of things you do with the community work, with the bookmobile? I think that's how people mostly know you is from the bookmobile.
0: I think we all need to contribute to society where we're, community is the important thing, is important to me. I believe in community. We're a social species. We need to do things together to help each other. And this is something I can do and I like doing. People like getting books. People take the books and use them. It just fits in with one way to help build and bring people together and uh, through community.
1: How would you even start the project?
0: Actually, I used to volunteer at the Planned Parenthood book sale every year. And at the end of the book sale, we used to throw all the books away. There was nowhere to store them again for the next year. So we first started taking them Some We took them out to the VA hospital, but they got in undated. They didn't want any more. I then started taking them out to Wright State. When I taught, I put a bookcase outside my office in the hallway just and said, free books. And then Wright State for a long time let me uh, store books out there. And so I would have an area with, I had stacks and stacks of boxes of books. So at the end of the book sale, I would get as many boxes of books as I can and then just gave them away. And that just progressed from there. And then I used to take in the back of my pickup, I'd go down to Courthouse Square in the summertime and throw them in the back there of or the Oregon District and just say free book. How long do you think you've been doing it at all? Early 80s. Oh, probably. really? That
1: long? I didn't realize yeah. it was so long. So you were doing it while the truck part while you were still
0: teaching? The truck part, a little bit while I was still teaching. I didn't start decorating the truck. Till about, oh, 10, 12 years ago. But I would put books in the back of the truck before then.
1: Where well, you get the books from now? Because you don't get them from the- Well,
0: it's no longer the uh, Friends of Planned Parenthood. It's called the Book Fair Foundation. So I also get them from other places. People call me and say, hey, I have books. Do you want them? I will, you know, continually take books if people want to give them to me. I won't go to somebody's house and pick them up necessarily, usually. That can get creepy. Right. Over and over again. But I will if they want to bring them to, to me where I store them. That's fine. The other thing is I built bookcases on the sidewalk outside of Omega Music. Gary Steiger, who started Omega Music 36 years ago, used to be on North Main Street. And I used to put books on a table outside of his store out there. And so his kids now run the store. I uh built shelves on the sidewalk. So I tell people, if you ever see that it's empty you can always put books there and i try to keep those bookshelves filled too
1: have you gotten any feedback from people who've gotten books from you that say oh, yeah. you know how meaningful they are and that kind of stuff people
0: do you know they'll, oh god i got this great book from you da, 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 or somebody told me the day michael jackson died they had just gotten a couple books on michael jackson from my bookshelf things like that little things somebody found money in a book oh wow or, or they'll find postcards interesting things you never know
1: you also do the Day of the Dead, and you do Deed's Dog Park and all this stuff. Did you see yourself doing this big community activism kind of stuff, or do you even consider yourself an activist?
0: What is Dave? A long time ago, a group of friends, we started doing bike rides, okay? Email was just new. I'd send out emails. I'd say, okay, let's do a bike ride. My bike list grew and grew and grew. So now my bike list has about three or 400 people on it, and if people want to sell something or give something away or need something— And so I see myself as somebody to connect. Because like I said, everything is connected. And one thing I like to do is connect people to each other, to to things. And that's part of what I do. And the dog park, we were looking for a place to run our dog that was close. And Donna was walking by there one day and saw the Deed's Point and said, hey, why don't we try to see if we can get the city to uh, make this a dog park? And I knew uh, Stanley Early, who was the assistant city manager at the time. And I suggested, hey, Stanley, what about making this a dog park? And he turned me on to someone else who connected me with someone else. And pretty soon the city said, yeah, you can do that. And pretty soon we had a dog park at this point, And other people got involved. There were, at the same time I was trying to do it, another group of people were trying to do it too. The same thing at the the same, same time. at the same time, uh, wow. trying to connect it. And since I had the connection, it kind of helped. And we all worked together and it worked.
1: That's a very Dayton thing, I think, that people sort of somehow come upon this like idea and are just working towards the it's, center to get it done. Mm-hmm. What brought you to Dayton?
0: I went to Ohio University. Oh, uh, Bobcats. I Me mean, too, I didn't no know Bobcats, that. Bobcats, right. I met Paula, who was my first wife, mother of our kids. She's from Dayton. That's why I ended up here. We came back here after we got married and lived here since 70. Is that where you got your education degree? Uh, bachelor's is in elementary ed from OU. My master's. Is from the University of Northern Colorado in Greeley, and that's in outdoor education and reading.
1: Because you're actually my husband's uh, Boy Scout leader, which I is was. hilarious. Yes. He always <laughs> says, How was he as a Boy Scout?
0: Oh, <laughs> Anthony. <laughs> I, I enjoyed Boy Scouts. <laughs> we had fun.
1: Why'd you stand, Dayton? Popping in, as I am want to do, to remind you that you're listening to the What Had Happened Was podcast, and I'm Amelia Robinson from Dayton.com. Looking for a way to take that edge off on Sundays? Why not tune into The Sunday Edge with Todd Holtz? It airs from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. and is live and local. Todd dives into everything from annoying neighbors to odd news to celebrity meltdowns and all sorts of local, local, local stuff. So check out The Sunday Edge each Sunday between 6 and 8 p.m. on WHIO Radio. Or you can listen to a podcast version of the show, on WHIO.com. Now back to my chat with Dave. Other than the fact that you found a job, obviously, you could have won anywhere.
0: I had a job. and Actually, when I did my master's in Colorado, I would have loved to stay out there, but I could never find a job out there. So I came back to Dayton. I kept coming back, you know, and then I got a job in Lebanon. But then I came back to Dayton when I lost that job. I don't know. I like cost of living is great here. It's cheap. If you have a job, for people who don't have a job anywhere, it's going to be hard to live. And there is poverty here. I've got a community of people and friends and family. My kids are here, or two of my sons are here, and uh, so that's great, friends. So that's what keeps me here.
1: How do you describe that community of friends you run around with? Because you also do a cool solstice party.
0: Did you ever see uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? (laughs) At the very end, Abraham Lincoln said, be good to each other, and party on, dudes. (laughs) You know, that's what you got to do. A lot of my friends, a whole lot of my friends, are really b- big into social activism. Jim Carter, Rev Cool, uh, Logan Martin, you know, a lot of them do are real active in single-payer health care, the new grocery store that's coming up. Jim City Market. Jim City Market. Things that are important, voting rights. Jan Underwood just took a strong role in that, trying to get this uh, gerrymandering thing. You know, and we try to help each other. Someone takes an issue, we'll be there to help them, support them. Human rights, we're all here to help each other and if you have something that you think is important we'll support it and do it and that's what I love about my friends and my family is that we support each other and we help each other. How do you
1: kind of spread that around what you just said there this whole idea of community activism and doing things to better the community whatever people think that means a lot of times it's the same people who are doing stuff.
0: It is you're right but um, you just got to get more people involved you got to open it up as i meet new people they come in and become part of our growing pen, the umbrella under our whatever you call it but, circus, uh, our, our circus <laughs> it is i mean it's great circus sham uh, uh Shama- 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 Deem- <laughs> you were great that, that, i mean it was great fun i mean and that you know that was great community Ah, uh, the gay men's chorus thing. that was wasn't that a good time?
1: Yeah, and it's just like fun to see the randomness of the people who are there. It's all sorts of people, not just the ones you would think right. would be at a, an event. And that's how a lot of the stuff is in Dayton that you see all sorts of people doing things. So what do you do for fun to kind of hang out?
0: I go for bike rides. I go to why well, work out a little. I go uh, movies to go to movies dance oh you dance i like to dance well a little bit like to go kind
1: of fr- like run around kind of crazy dance <clears throat> like yeah me. crazy dance <laughs> i'm no. not i'm not
0: as now donna would like to take dance lessons she thinks we could be really good if we uh-huh. took dance lessons
1: yeah but. anthony th- thought we couldn't and he was right we, <laughs> we were not really good <laughs> uh, <laughs> we took- but
0: i go to the yellow cab a lot i do artwork the truck is an art piece but i also do welded metal sculpture and
1: what are you trying to express with your art?
0: A lot of my art expresses my spirituality. Some of my pieces represent my Jewish background, menorahs and uh, figurines representing oh, Torah holders and things like that, but also masks, other spirituality. Many years ago, I was married to a, a woman in New York, and she took me to the Museum of African Art, and I got inspired there by to do more masks, and I've been doing a number of masks, related spiritual masks. Kind of thing.
1: Is it easy? Is it easy? That's a weird question. Is it, what is it like to be Jewish in Dayton? Because, like the town you grew up on, like places like Oakwood, they didn't allow Jews in the past.
0: In Dayton, I'm not an observant at all. And I'm not, I'm not religious, but spiritual, but, but I will never deny that I'm Jewish. Someone asks you, you know, what's your background? on? I won't deny that I'm a Jew. But I don't go to the synagogue. I don't go to services. As my kids were growing up, they were bar mitzvah. Did they go to the halal school? They went for a short time to Hillel, and to the public schools, and then we homeschooled them a little bit too, so we tried all three, You know, had issues with schools, (laughs) even though I'm a teacher and I, I taught in the schools. But growing up in a small town, there was only one synagogue. In my elementary school, in my class I was the only Jew, there was one other Jewish kid in the whole school until my sister came in, she's five years younger. Then there were three, but then I was only there for a year while she was there. But in high school there, we had maybe a little more Jews. We're a very, very small minority in a mostly Catholic community. When I went to OU, I met a lot of Jewish kids from Cleveland, Jewish kids from New York, came up with the expression, city Jews and country Jews. And I was a country (laughs) Jew as opposed to these city Jews, which were more, uh, I don't know, I felt more aggressive and I don't know urban and well they yeah. are from the city so yeah. they're like more a lot of the jewish people that i met here in dayton when we first came and got to know them were more like the the big city kind of jewish. oh really yeah i thought yeah
1: so i guess dayton would have been a big city compared to, to where you butler, <laughs> <yeah>. butler. <laughs> yeah. do you still have family there
0: my sister still lives in butler so yeah. you get back sometime occasionally it? yeah very rarely but we tried to
1: what are your kind of like your hopes for the city of dayton like what do you want it to do
0: i'd like it to prosper i think Dayton does have a race problem. It really has an issue dealing with poverty and, and race, and that's reflected in the school system. The schools, they need help. Somehow we need to improve our education. My manifesto for schools, see, my degree is in outdoor education, and uh, this guy named L.B. Sharp, years ago his philosophy was that which can be taught within the traditional classroom should there be taught but that which can be taught outside in direct contact with nature and in real-life situations should there be taught. Outdoor education isn't just nature study, but it could be like going to a grocery store and, and learning math or walking around the neighborhood and uh, looking at geometric shapes and geometry. And, uh, you know, you can do all kinds of things outside the traditional classroom and learn. And I think we're failing our kids, because we're not teaching appreciation of nature. We're not teaching them. I'd like to see home economics in school. Everybody, I'd like to see everybody learn wood shop, metal shop, electric shop, plumbing, uh, auto mechanic, cooking. Real skills that everybody needs to have and kids aren't learning these things. Is it
1: just because we're teaching towards the test or is it? Yeah,
0: there's just too much emphasis
1: it kind of goes back to that connection, too. I feel like a lot of kids aren't taught that things are connected. Things just didn't happen when you were born. There was history before you joined us. Yeah. <laughs> I worry about civics and stuff like that, and even public affairs. I don't know if we had that in school or not, but right. I figure out how the government works, works. and how things are connected, and we're all Americans, and everything matters because we're one place.
0: But what we teach, we don't teach the real history of our country. You know? Right. The idea that this land, there were people living here when we came and that we took the land. What? From, and then we used some other people to grow things and create capital for us. And so we think we are self-made. We think that our economic wellness is because of how good we were, but that we don't take into account the slaves that, that worked for us or the Native Americans whose land we stole and, and used for that. So we're a greedy species. And we've got to counter that greed uh, somehow.
1: It's like to pull yourself up by your own sh- pan straps. Uh,
0: or uh, bootstraps. straps or... Yeah. It's
1: like, not really. That's yeah. a myth, really.
0: Yeah, you know, it never happened. There are no self-made people. Even Ayn Rand uh, was on welfare. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, at one point in her life.
1: And speaking of straps, you always wear the overalls, right? when you start rocking that look is that because of the whole outdoor training stuff that you got involved in that no
0: (laughs) actually if i wear pants they fall down if i wear a belt they fall down unless i could wear suspenders and i sometimes i'll wear pants with suspenders but i don't have an ass and i have a big gut so if i walk two steps in a pants if i just have a belt on especially if i have something in my pocket so i have to wear suspenders or overalls and overalls are the most comfortable
1: they are. I guess it's coming back from like the 90s, the whole overall look, but not
0: always. No, I used to be able to get, there were some nice lighter weight black overalls. There are white ones that, I forget the company that makes them, but they were like painter pants and Dickies. Dickies. And Dickies used to make a black one, a, black, a pair of black. They stopped making them. For years I haven't been able to get them. And so I have to get, these are real, you know, real heavy duty, real heavy and expensive but you're a fashion plate so, either that's way right, that's right my favorite well, thing
1: is when you wore the uh, the tie in your overall our oscar oh party. yeah <laughs> that's that awesome uh-huh. <laughs> you brought it back yeah. and you brought it out all the way so would you ever run for city council or do that political kind of stuff no, no. why not
0: i don't want to <laughs> <laughs> I'm, i just enjoy life too much to want to have to worry about being a, a you know unless somebody made me god you know if i had the power but no no I'm not.
1: Like dance monkey's dance right, right.
0: no i'm not going to be in it if nominated i will not run if 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 elected i will not serve no, no I, I don't want to be in office but i will support people that i like and 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 work to help elect them well thanks
1: for coming here dave i appreciate it
0: well thanks amelia i appreciate you asking me uh keep doing the good work and i uh, love to hear your voice love your stories
1: Thanks, Dave. I told you Dave was a cool, hip, one-of-a-kind Dayton dude. Be sure to grab one of his books in the Oregon District or add to his collection. The What It Happened Was podcast is produced, edited, and hosted by me, Amelia Robinson, in the WHIO Radio Studios. Thanks to my friend Troy Liming from T.O. Creates of Columbus for the show's awesome artwork. Stay Dayton strong, and I'm going to see you alligators later. Bye!